So for me, the only way that we actually learn something is practice. So mm-hmm. I put myself in as many situations as possible that are uncomfortable and that I'm terrified of, whether it's uploading the video or sharing a new message or free diving with sharks or skydiving or riding horses or whatever it is, because I do all those things. And it doesn't mean that I'm not scared, but I always want to be able to fear that fear response and go, fuck it, we're doing it anyway. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Life Livers Academy. I'm Jamie O'Donnell, and the purpose of this podcast is to connect you with the people, ideas, mindsets, and inspiration to empower you to chase your dreams, unlock your potential, and live life to the fullest each day. Get ready for some inspiring conversations and incredible insights from people who are out there living life, having fun, and dominating their chosen path. I appreciate you tuning in. Now let's get this episode underway. Radio guys, I'm super excited for the guest joining me on the show today. Her name is Amy Sankster. She is a YouTuber, entrepreneur, speaker. She's an absolute powerhouse. She spends a lot of her time these days teaching other entrepreneurs to use YouTube to share their message and scale their business. She's amassed over 100 million views on YouTube. She built her first seven-figure business by the age of just 23 years old. She is an absolute powerhouse and she just has a lot of valuable insights and a very unique perspective on life. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation because I want to dive in and talk about uh, YouTube and their online landscape and the psychology of building a successful business online, but also some of the stuff that sits behind the scenes around mindset and performance, self-doubt, overcoming adversity, because Amy's got a pretty unique story uh, outside of just her entrepreneurial journey. And I know that with that comes a lot of awareness, a lot of valuable insights, Um, that can help you in business and life in general. So really looking forward to this one. She's someone who really does get out there and live life to the fullest. So uh, I know this is going to be a fantastic conversation. Amy, thank you so much for joining me. Awesome. Thanks, Jamie. I appreciate all the kind words and excited to dig in. Fantastic. My first question for you is, everyone gets into business for a reason in the first place. Mm -hmm. What led you to the path of entrepreneurship and particularly online business? What was it for you that was the big draw card and how did you end up there? I think uh, the smart answer would probably be to, or the well-rehearsed answer would probably be to say, because I wanted to serve others and I had this passion. But to be honest, in the beginning, it wasn't that at all. It was because I had an aversion for the nine to five life. I just hated the thought of spending my personal life. I wasn't really thinking about other people at the time. I was just purely being selfish. And I hated the thought of spending eight day or eight hours a day until my 60s working for someone else in something that I didn't love. And I know I always preface this by saying that there are people who are so inspired by their careers and that is amazing and I'm so happy for them. I'm not against working nine to five if it's something that you love, but I'm certainly against wasting the precious time that we have here on our doing something that we don't like. And I was working at a bank at the time and I just hated it. You know, I tried the traditional route. I was studying finance. I knew that I wanted a life of freedom and money is kind of the, the card that we use as freedom in life. So finance was the degree that I went into thinking that that would show me what I needed to be free. But really it was just priming me for a life of eight hours a day in an office, in a cubicle. (laughs) And I experienced it and I hated it. So I was just desperate for any way out of that was the beginning. Yeah, cool. I think, so what about in the online space? Because I know that you've, you've, you're not new to the space. Like you've been, you're, you're a seasoned veteran. You've done a lot in the space. Uh, Obviously going online now, building a business now, that space has matured so much. It's kind of, Um, it's blowing up and it's the natural place to go now, but you were there early. What was it about online that really attracted you? Because you were, I mean, how many years are we talking now? We're almost probably a decade of time in that space. Yeah. 
Going um, on a decade, I just turned 30. I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> just starting out. <laughs> yep, um, <laughs> that's for sure. But yeah, yeah you, you um, were there early. So what was, the, what was the draw to online? What did, that, what did you feel that that gave you that the cubicle life and that traditional nine to five didn't give you? Uh, leveraging my time. Uh, certainly, because as soon as you experience making money online in whatever fashion, whether it's uh, digital products, digital services, you realize that A, you have freedom of location and you're leveraging your time. Um, and as soon as you're start able to start serving a wider audience doing that, then you just have a product or a service that is helping multiple people at the time. So really just freedom of time and location. I wanted to be where I wanted to be, doing what I wanted to do and making money while I did. And I know it sounds um, quite kind of lofty, but in today's day and age, certainly we're more than capable of making that a reality, whereas our parents and our grandparents weren't capable of that. So I certainly wanted to leverage that opportunity that we had available and make the best life that I could working online. Yeah, cool. That's amazing. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, like we're so privileged. I don't know if we actually, I mean, some of us do, but we're it's literally the best time on earth to be someone who's got an interest in entrepreneurial stuff. Um, you know, to be able to even just build a business where you can travel and have that time freedom and stuff is just a luxury that so many people have never experienced in their generations. Uh, and we sort of take it for sure. granted. What are some of like, Absolutely. you, you're doing a lot um, in the YouTube space at the moment. So mm-hmm. if let's just dive straight into that, like, let's, cause I feel like sure. a lot of the time with podcasts, you try and cover a lot of stuff and then you never really get, any depth on anything <laughs> to the meat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know that you, I'm really fascinated in the YouTube side of things. I'm just starting out on a personal brand myself. Um, but I've got sort of a background in sales and marketing. That's what I've done for a decade, building different businesses in different spaces. YouTube's not something that I've ever tapped into properly. It's always been uh, paid traffic and that side of things. What is it? Why YouTube? Why do you focus your attention there? And what's so great about it? Good question. Um, So for those people that are listening that don't know me or my story, previously um, I did for the last eight years, I had an online education business. Uh, I taught trading because that was actually the tool that I found when I was desperate that allowed me to quit my job. Uh, Then I realized I wasn't actually planning on starting an education business at all at the time, but I realized that people wanted to learn from me and my business part of the time and we just didn't have enough time in the day to teach everyone. So we compiled that into an online course and that became a business kind of inadvertently. Uh, So then we had trading as an income, but also this online education business as well. And we were kind of new to online business. Like you said, the landscape has changed so much online nowadays that there are so many courses and resources out there for how to scale your online business and how to market properly. And I'm sure there were some back in the day when I started, but it certainly wasn't like it is now. So we were just two kids really trying to figure it out. And we didn't know so much about paid advertising or how to drive traffic. Uh, to our business, but we did know how to build a really strong personal brand. And for people who are not familiar with the primal branding tactics, I recommend if you're trying to build a personal brand, really look into those because they are so key in what builds big brands, whether they're personal or corporate brands, people really attach to these ideologies. And if you can incorporate them into your YouTube channel, into your, uh, if it's a corporate, like a more of a business um, that you're trying to build, then that's how you really build like a cult-like following. And I ended up on YouTube because a partner that I had at the time um, was on YouTube and through combining our lives, we were kind of vlogging together and then I became a part of his channel and uh, we decided to make a series of intentional viral videos around the fact that, and I kind of hate bringing this up because I was younger and sillier and it sounds very materialistic, but I bought a Lamborghini when I was young. Um, And (laughs) having done all of that, I can certainly attest to say that you're 
not going to be any happier with a lump of metal in the garage than you are without the lump of metal in the garage. <laughs> but that's a whole different story. And I'm sure we'll dive into that as well. Um, but we made a series of viral videos around me purchasing that because I realized that it was positioning me in a way that was an authority figure to be able to teach the knowledge that I had learned. And so many people don't really understand so much about positioning. They, they focus on sales. Mm. How can I like hard sell this person? Yep. I am not a salesperson whatsoever. I've never done a sales call. I have no sales training, to be honest. Um, I don't like selling people, quote unquote. I like showcasing a result and then people generally come to you. So the way that, or the reason that I love YouTube so much is twofold. One, you're able to showcase your life authentically and people know you. That's how you build a relationship with people online versus just popping up in a paid uh, ad somewhere and trying to like yell at someone and getting their attention. I kind of liken paid advertising to getting junk mail. Because it's paid, we know that this person is trying to get our attention and we kind of just, our brain just filters it out. If you're like me, you don't even look at the junk mail, you just throw it in the bin. But when you're actually, watching YouTube, A, you're going to YouTube to learn something most of the time or to be entertained. There's really only two kinds of YouTube channels, entertainment-based or education-based. And the best, I think, do both at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you're primed to actually like connect with the person or to sit down and watch something or learn something versus, like I said, paid advertising is people just screaming at you all over the internet, competing for your attention and spending their money to compete for your attention at the same time. So if you're intentional and you know how to gain an audience on YouTube, A, you're kind of... Uh, building the relationship with this person that doesn't seem inauthentic. It doesn't seem like you're trying to sell them something because you're not. You're just genuinely sharing your story in a way that resonates with an audience because you know how to do that. And uh, if you're intentional about the strategy that you use on YouTube, then you can grow organically. And throughout the time that I owned that online education business, we did actually dive into paid advertising at one point several years down the track because at that point we had a team, we had a marketing guy, and we wanted to explode as quick as we could or as far as we could at the time. And so we had both things running. We built it organically on YouTube and then we um, turned to paid advertising as well. And it was really interesting to see the contrast between the two because uh, paid advertising, and I have this graphic that I love showing people that really simply answers the question you asked. And paid advertising during the lifetime that we did it, we spent half a million dollars on it. It was like 494,000 or something thereabouts. And throughout that period of time, we were able to reach, I think it's 8.6 million people with those ads. And if you contrast that to a screenshot of the YouTube channel we had at the time, we reached over 100 million people and we actually got paid 180,000 to reach that audience. So to me, the difference is A, YouTube's way more authentic. People are actually seeing your life versus some cheesy ad that you filmed somewhere and you're selling someone, which just doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't sit right with me. And you're getting paid to market your business. Why would I go spend half a million dollars when I could get paid to do it if you know how? But by all means, if you're at the point where you can do both in unison, do that. But I think most people, when they're starting a business, they really want to grow organically. You don't want to be spending all the money that you make on paid advertising just to scale. So I think that YouTube is really this untapped place that people don't really know about so much. Some people are definitely using it and using it well. But for the most part, when people want traffic, they think, oh, I either need to get on Instagram and send more DMs to people or hire a VA to do that for me or invest in paid advertising. But this mm -hmm. other arm of YouTube is what I really want to share with people and expose them to because it changed my life and allowed me to reach over 100 million people. And I think I looked up the other day, that's like the size of Egypt or something like that, which yeah, is well. absolutely <laughs> mind blowing. We see numbers on a screen and we don't really think about the people and behind the data. And it is crazy to think that that many people you can share your message with at the click of a button nowadays. And that's the beauty of online business. And that's why I love it so much. And specifically YouTube. Yeah, that's incredible. It, I, it's really interesting that you say that because even when you just think about it, the thing at the moment, like everyone's an Instagram expert 
for example, and it's saturated. But like, you've got <laughs> yeah. like, you've got no attention there. You know, like, you, it's very hard to build depth of relationship on a platform like Instagram. I mean, you can do it, and they're obviously, you know, they've gone towards Instagram stories and trying to get more time on site so that you can try and do that. But like, YouTube is the place where you have the biggest opportunity to build that relationship because people mm-hmm. are spending 30 minutes plus sort of sitting and watching yeah. and getting to know you. So that's got to be a huge part of that branding part of it as well, right? Because you can get real buy-in and build far more connection with people there as well. Exactly. It's essentially an opportunity to create your own TV show. And yeah. if you leverage it, it's the smartest thing that you can ever do. But a lot of people are just so intimidated by either being on camera speaking, they think that their message isn't worth sharing or they don't know the strategy and they maybe tried YouTube, but they just can't grow because they don't know how Mm. to do it correctly. So I think a lot of the time people maybe dive into it or just stay away from it completely because of all those factors. Um, So they're kind of just stuck with paid advertising or Instagram. And I think that's why uh, there are so many Instagram business coaches nowadays and Instagram coaches is because it is easy. You know, there's this bubble at the moment where it's very easy to sit on, um, you know, on your phone and just do a little story like this versus setting up a camera, uh, filming the YouTube video, going through the editing process. But there's kind of two things about that. One, if you're smart about it, you can systemize it. Anything in business should be completely systemized from start to finish to make it sustainable and worthwhile. Um, but two, is that on Instagram, your content only lasts 24 hours, max maybe like three, four days if you're going viral and getting on that explore page. So it's really hard to gain new audience and you have to keep on this wheel of forever creating content. Whereas on YouTube, I have videos from 2012 that are still getting hundreds of thousands of views. They're still building an email list. They're still generating traffic. They're still bringing people to my Instagram and all the things that I have going on. Um, and that was content I created back in 2012 on an account that I haven't even touched since 2015. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so much worth more worthwhile just putting that little bit of extra time into creating the content that's going to last versus kind of doing the quick and easy, like immediate instant gratification um, situation on Instagram. Yeah, totally. What about going back to those branding tactics, that you, the primal branding tactics that you mentioned? If obviously the positioning is a huge part of getting anywhere on any platform, um, what are some of the key learnings that you've had in that space like that's something that you've done very well your branding uh i guess still to this day but particularly early on was very aspirational um and i think that's stuff that you've done really well throughout your entire time online uh i think that's something that's missed by a lot of people when they get started and they do go out and they create content but they end up just creating content for the sake of creating content and not very intentional about the way that they're positioning themselves so do you have some sort of key things that you've learned around that side of things yeah (laughs) For sure. I think the first thing to think of is always understand your viewer's journey and what emotions they're going through. It's part of self-awareness as a human. If you're able to do this in real life, you're going to be a better human to be aware of other people and how they're perceiving and interpreting things. Most of the time we're so, as humans, we're selfish. We're so self-focused that we forget about everyone else's perceptions, beliefs, how they're interpreting things. So the first thing is to be aware of the viewer's journey. And it's a visual experience for someone. It's not just the words you say. Think about it. When you uh, go to a party and you meet a cute girl. Do you remember what she, she looked like? Or do you remember every single word she said? No, you remember what she looked like. It's a visual experience. That's how we learn a lot of the time. That's how we build relationships is we want to see people. Think about it. If you're on a sales call with someone and you're trying to, I don't know, buy a very high price item, you want to see their face. That's how we connect as we look in people's eyes. So totally. remember that it's a visual experience and A, up your public speaking skills or your on-camera skills I think in the day and age that we live in at the moment, especially right now or during COVID, we literally are prevented from being face-to-face and building that connection with people genuinely and in person. 
So learning how to do that online and be just authentic and genuine um, is something that is very, very important. Um, but in terms of positioning, you have to understand that if someone's saying something to you, it's not as good as if you're showing them. So I never went out and said, everyone should learn to day trade. Everyone should learn to make a, start an online business. That's absolutely not what I did. And there's so many people doing that nowadays and it just doesn't catch on. People aren't buying their products because you're so much better off just showcasing the results from that. Because obviously if a coach or a uh, leader in any capacity doesn't have the results. They can't showcase that for mm. one. So it sets you apart from the people who are trying to do these things that are inauthentic, which unfortunately, because this online business world is expanding now, there are a lot of people who are trying to present themselves a certain way, but they really can't showcase anything. So if you have the result, sh showcase it and don't feel bad about it. I think that's the thing as well is that so many people have this lack of self-worth or there's um, fear around showing what they've actually built in their lives. And I get it. It is 100% intimidating. I did it as a 22-year-old to 11 million people that viewed this first viral video of me picking up a Lambo. And 50% of that was amazing, positive, inspiring. 50% of that was people who wanted to hate on me and tell me how little I was worth in life. To put it nicely, they said a lot of other adjectives. Um, and at 22, I mean, I'm 30 now. I've grown, I've developed. I don't um, allow other people's opinions to influence me the way they did back then, but I was just learning. So it did affect me. So I can understand that people are intimidated to share their lives in general, and especially to share things that they've been able to achieve because we don't want to make anyone else feel bad. We don't want to seem like we're bragging, but in a way people want a leader figure. So if you could reframe that and reposition it to, I get to inspire these people. I get to be the light that they can follow. And I look to people, you know, we're never done learning. So we always look to people, no matter what stage of the journey you're at. I guarantee you that Gary Vee and Tony Robbins still look up to people, whether they're alive now or like historical figures. I don't know once you're at that level who you look up to, but I guarantee you that they do. They're inspired by other people and what they're doing. So it's actually a gift to get to be that light for someone else. And it's not one that you should feel guilty for. And mm -hmm. a lot of the time people just don't show what they have or uh, and, and I mean, there's a way to go about it as well. You don't want to be like, look, guys, look at everything I've achieved. But to showcase it and to talk about it, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. And that's what's going to set you apart, doing that in an authentic way. Um, there's someone on Instagram and YouTube that does this incredibly well. And she does it very, very authentically and genuinely. I encourage everyone to look up Sorel Amor. She wow. is a videographer, photographer. She's done a lot in the marketing world business. She's kind of similar to me in that she's had a journey that's a little bit all over the place. But through YouTube, she's really authentically just showcased her journey. And she recently like bought a home in Iceland, uh, kind of lives this very ideal, um, self-sufficient lifestyle. And instead of telling people about it all the time and how much money she's made and how great her life is, she just showcases it and brings people yeah, in. Nice. Now she's launching a course and I'm just, I see it and I'm like, well done. Cause she's going to do amazing because she's already positioned herself that way so that people are going to come to her for advice. If you have, uh, and I, I use this analogy, if you have a group of friends and you're struggling in your relationship, you've got relationship issues, are you going to go ask the friend that's single that talks about relationships a whole lot? Or are you going to go ask the one that's in the great relationship that you've seen over years and years, they have this amazing dynamic together? Of course, you're going to ask the person with the experience that showed you that. So I think understanding positioning is absolutely huge. And it's a big key piece that so many people nowadays miss. 
Yeah, totally. And a key point there um, is, I guess, what stops a lot of people there, I feel, is that they feel like they have to be at the end of the road in order to start doing that. But actually documenting yes. along the way. So just for anyone that's listening, if you're thinking about starting and you're like, well, I don't have any of that stuff to show. It's not about being at the end of the road. It's about showing yourself doing. That's the key point. Exactly. Right? you don't need a Lamborghini. And I almost, I hate that that was (laughs) the start of the journey for me in a way, because it's kind of intimidating. You don't need anything like that. And I read a book, I think it was a Russell Brunson book back in the day. And this was even after I had done all of the things. Um, And it, it was like mind blowing to me the way that he put it. And he said, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know more than the people that you're teaching. Yeah. And hearing it so simply like that, like I was already doing it, but that flicked a light switch for me. And I was like, Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, we don't only need to look to leaders that are like these perfect humans. It's just someone in some facet of life that has achieved a result that you want. That's it. Plain and simple. You don't have to be this godlike figure to start an online course or to start an online business. Just look at what you've got results in, what you can genuinely and authentically prove and teach. That's it. That's all you need to do. Yeah, nice. It's a really great point for anyone that's listening because I think that stops a lot of people from getting started. It stops a lot of people from putting themselves out there. I know that I've battled with that personally, if I'm being really honest, like you feel like- Everyone has. Exactly. Um, It's like that imposter syndrome side of things. Um, But there's so much strength in the vulnerability and in just showcasing if you can do it, you know? And so uh, it's a really key point. Once we get, so once you sort of understand the branding and the positioning side of it uh, and- like, where do you start? Because it, it seems like with YouTube, <laughs> it's obviously there's a lot of time. And one thing that I want to get straight off the bat is that people use the investment of time as an excuse. Like, oh, it's going to take me ages to learn editing and to do that. But anything worth doing has that. So let's just get that out of the way for a start. If okay. someone's starting out, like, where where do you start? What are the most uh-huh. important things? Because um, a lot of the time on YouTube, people see like perfectly edited stuff um, and that kind of barrier to entry seems high. Uh, and so maybe that puts people off. Mm-hmm. Also not understanding the algorithms and like putting content out there, but it getting lost and, yes. and never actually getting anywhere. So what are some of the key things that we need to be sure. aware of when we're starting out? So multifaceted question. <laughs> I'll start uh, with the simple point that YouTube is a search engine. Most of the time when people think of starting on YouTube, they start creating content that's about themselves, but no one's searching for them yet. <laughs> they haven't built a community yet. We call that community content, like the day in the life videos or my Bali vlog. All the time you see people trying to grow on YouTube doing that, but if no one's searching for you yet and you're just in the beginning stages of building your personal brand or building your business, then you can't start that way. You have to start with what people are actually searching for within your niche. So within that, let's say I'm a photographer, videographer. Instead of going to make um, a beautiful cinematic vlog of my Bali trip to show off my videography skills, I'm going to look at what people are actually searching for within that niche. And there are tools, um, TubeBuddy, VidIQ, a lot of these tools that help a lot with this research stage of it. But think about it. If I am your ideal subscriber, first of all, let's, let's take a step back here because most of the time, YouTube, we think, and social media and everything, we think of ourselves first. But in reality, we have to identify who is this channel going to serve? Who's it going to be for? What kind of person do we want watching? Are they the same person that we want buying from us if we also have a business? Ideally, yes, those two things are congruent. Yeah. So once you dive into the mindset of that person, you have to go, what are they searching for? And there's a website called answerthepublic.com. And if you're at a loss of what people within your niche are searching for, go on there. You can type in any keyword. Let's say I'm a videographer and I type in a new camera, uh, Canon G7X. That's a really old camera, but I'll just use it because it's on my mind. If I type in that, it gives me the top, I think it's 80 
most searched for things on the internet from all over Google, YouTube, every search engine. And that gives you some preliminary ideas of what you can start creating content about. So you kind of work backwards from the result. So what do you want this person that's going to watch your channel? What do you want them to learn? What are they going to get out of your channel? Are you just entertaining them or are you going to teach them something? And a lot of the time people just want significance because we're all as humans, we want significance. So it's like, Oh, I just want them to watch me. And <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, you get lucky sometimes. And sometimes people do just get big because they're interesting characters or they're really genetically gifted or whatever it is. But for the most of us, we have to entertain or we have to teach something. Yeah. So decide what result you're going to uh, provide through your channel and work backwards from that. So maybe it's, uh, I'm going to teach people actually how to get started in the videography world because at one point I was someone that didn't know anything. And then I'm going to think about all the um, things that people are actually searching for with videography and make videos around that. It's not what videos I feel like making that day. It's I'm going to have a research stage where I'm going to batch two months of content um, and do the research for two months of content. And within that structure, then you can get creative. Mm -hmm. You know what you're going to create videos about. You know what you're going to title it. You know what your tags are. You know how to optimize it. You know how to distribute it. You know all of that. By the way, I teach all of that in the course. But you know all of these things because it is a lot. Like we have an eight-week course that goes over all of this one week at a time because it is a learning curve just like anything. Mm -hmm. You have to understand and all of these key factors come together to produce this end result. It's not just turning on a camera. Oh, I want to make a video about uh, the latest iPhone and hope that that goes viral because that is the biggest waste of time. But it is the best uh, use of time if you're intentional and if you have that strategy. So work backwards from the result that you want your ideal subscriber to actually get. Get in their mindset. We have like worksheets and a whole bunch of stuff to really get people to dig deep and to step into the shoes of their ideal subscriber and start to get to know that person, mm -hmm. what they're going to like watching, what kind of content styles, what channels are they already watching? How are they doing things? And from there, then you can develop your own style, your own creativity, or maybe it's really simple. So intimidated by the text, start with what you have. Cause I think a lime, it's just a big excuse. It's a nation because we're intimidated by something. I don't have the latest camera is really just, I'm scared to put myself out there. Mm. So everyone has a, pretty much everyone, if we're, we're blessed nowadays, everyone has some sort of camera, whether it's a webcam on your laptop, whether it's an iPhone, just start. And even if you're gonna stop filming yourself and not even release these videos, just to get yourself comfortable talking on camera, I encourage everyone, if you're someone that wants to kind of develop your video skills, maybe wants to get on YouTube, um, and I think video skills, like I was saying, are something so important and crucial to develop nowadays, is to sit down 10 minutes a day and just talk, whether even if it's to your laptop, about something that you feel confident about and watch that back. Because surprisingly, yeah, the talking part's not the hard part. It's the watching yourself back that's the hard part. Like a lot of the time, and people might resonate with this as they listen, we'll like cringe. Like we won't want to look at the screen and we'll be like, oh, <laughs> oh God. And then you'll pause it and it's a freeze frame of your face like while you're talking and you're like, oh shit, I look like that when I actually talk. <laughs> and it can be really weird because we have this like image of ourselves that we think that like when we're talking, we think that we look how we do in like a perfectly posed Instagram photo or something. And so we kind of have this distorted, distorted self image and it doesn't change until you just face yourself in a way. Uh, you have to face yourself over and over and learn to love watching yourself speak as well, which is definitely a skill. I can say in the beginning, I certainly hated it. And there are times where I still don't love it, but I know that the message that I have to share is far more important than my own insecurity. We mm. all have insecurities. And if you can just remember, even if that video reaches one person and changes their life, the way that a video has probably reached you and had an impact on you at some point, it's worth it. Get over yourself. We are not as important as the other people out there that could benefit from it. So just hit upload, practice. And this is something we were talking about prior to the podcast. 
a little bit is what is success and what is a successful life? And to me, part of that is really getting over the fear because fear keeps us exactly where we are in life, whether it's in love and business and relationships, whatever it is, fear is really the big determinant of how far we actually get. So for me, the only way that we actually learn something is practice. So mm -hmm. I put myself in as many situations as possible that are uncomfortable and that I'm terrified of, whether it's uploading the video or sharing a new message or free diving with sharks or skydiving or riding horses or whatever it is, because I do all those things. And it doesn't mean that I'm not scared, but I always want to be able to fear that fear response and go, fuck it, we're doing it anyway. We're going to yeah. go and get used to it, buddy, because you're coming. And everyone feels that. We've, you just have to remember, like, we are all human. Everyone feels fear. I guarantee you, Tony Robbins, as amazing as he is, I guarantee you he feels a hint of fear before he jumps on stage again. Totally. Because now he has a, a level that he has to uphold. Everyone feels fear. So don't, don't feel bad for feeling it. Just get used to doing the thing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. That kind of will segue like one thing that I've always wondered about you, you've, your life has been so publicly out there for the majority of it really like online. How have you dealt with that side of things like the self doubt and the fear and the pressure that comes with living such a public life? Like do you, is that stuff that you, have you always been confident in that space or is that something that you've built <laughs> over time? Because what I've just heard from you there around facing fear is that it's just like a muscle. It's like flexing that courage muscle as often as possible. And that's something that you're like really in, uh, intentional about. Is that yeah. the same with just the pressure of putting yourself out there and having this expectation that you're successful and all that sort of thing? How do you deal with that side of it? Yeah. I mean, it is not natural at all to be an entrepreneur. I don't think is natural. Social media is so unnatural to stand in front of people and like showcase your life to the world is really, really strange. So it's a practice and I kind of ebb and flow as we all do. I had the confident, badass leader, um, super empowered version of myself. And I lived in that place most of the time. And then whenever my insecure, uh, didn't feel good enough, unworthy side of myself would kind of pop up and be like, Hey, <laughs> I'm here today. I would almost want to disown that other side of myself and pretend it didn't exist. So, my empowered self would almost be like, go away. I don't want to listen to you. Like, uh, yeah, I just didn't want to even accept that that was a part of me. And because I knew so much self-development, I kind of had this thought of like, you shouldn't be having these beliefs. You know better. Like, you shouldn't think this way. But that's a fantasy because we all have both sides. And this person, he explained it to me and said, it's a constant relationship between the two forces. So some days you're going to wake up and you're going to feel like the most badass version of yourself. And some days you're going to wake up and the insecure little child in you is going to be a little bit louder today. But instead of trying to disown one uh, or only live in one, it's a relationship between the two. And instead of trying to disown one, you actually have a dialogue between the two. So you feel like an absolute idiot when you first do this because you're like moving chairs and talking to yourself. And I felt really weird even just doing it. I felt self-conscious doing it, especially because I was on FaceTime with this guy. <laughs> and so you sit there and you actually build a relationship and you're like, wow, I'm really sorry for trying to um, disown you. You know, I actually love this part of myself. I love all of me. And it sounds so, so, so corny. And I didn't believe it at first. I was like, ah, come on, I don't want to do this stuff. But honestly, like through doing that, it means that that insecure side of yourself pops up far less often um, than the empowered one. And like he said, he was 60 something years old and very enlightened in all the things. And he's like, I still have that side of myself. It's just yeah. gotten less and less over time. So instead of just trying to live in only one side of yourself, that gets really exhausting. Like I kind of had a moment of burnout uh, a couple of years ago where I was like, Fuck, like this is really, really tiring because I was only trying to be one thing. Mm. But in reality, we're all things and we're all human. So you've got to love all of you. 
And then when you actually love all of you, it doesn't matter what other people say about you. It holds so much less weight because you love you. It's when we're trying to present this version of ourselves online in order to receive validation because we don't actually love ourselves. That's when it's really challenging when people hate on us because we're like, oh God, all of my external validation is now gone or I'm facing hate from outside and I'm hating myself inside. That feels like shit. But if we're able to validate ourselves internally, the things that other people might say online, because people do say some pretty wild stuff. Uh, and I faced a lot of it, obviously making videos like that when I was young, I faced a lot of it and I wasn't equipped to deal with it the way that I am now. People make up some pretty interesting things and they get very far out there. And A, you have to have empathy for that human being because we're all at different stages of the journey and you just think how much pain and how much hurt that person must be in if that's the way they're choosing to spend their time. They're just kind of a little bit confused and lost on the journey. So now, back then, not so much, but now I have a lot of empathy when anyone says anything. Uh, and it's also gotten a lot less because the content that I'm making nowadays is certainly not as triggering as 22-year-old girl buys a Lamborghini. <laughs> um, so I hope that that kind of gives a little bit of insight on how to deal with with online hate but it's it's just part of the the journey you know like if you're doing anything if you're putting yourself out there in any way you have to remember that you're not going to be for everyone it doesn't matter what you do even if you stay small and that's something that a lot of people do is they don't put themselves out there because they're like well i'm going to stay safe i know that people aren't going to hate on me because i'm not putting myself out there but i hate to break it to you people are quietly and secretly having judgments about you all the time 100%. even if you're not online so you're not staying safe from anything. You're just ignoring the fact that you have this opportunity that you're not seizing by putting yourself out there online. And you just have to fill yourself up with self-love. And I think that that's why entrepreneurship is such an incredible tool for growth because it will force you to level up if you yeah. want to succeed and if you want to actually do well at it. Because if you don't face these things, you're going to be pretty miserable and you probably won't get very far and you'll quit and you'll run away and you'll go back to hiding under a rock. But if you're able to face it and stare fear in the face and just keep going, and learn to uh, overcome all the little challenges that you face. And ultimately, people's worlds, they don't hold much weight anymore. Yeah, I love it. And I think I agree with you. I think personal uh, business in itself is the best personal development program you can ever take. So. That's <laughs> for sure. We're in agreement. Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. What about your, your just going on to like the self-love side of things and the, the mindset stuff? Because a lot of the time people say like, oh, it's all mindset and you've got to change your mindset. And it's like, people are looking for like a magic, you know, formula or something, but just to, to stress that it, it, it comes down to just constant repetition. Eh? It's like when you go to the gym and you know, building a fitness routine takes constant repetitions and it's like with the mindset stuff and with that self acceptance and that kind of learning to love yourself and you know, the positive and the negative, that's not something that happens overnight. It's not like a switch or like there's not a magic meditation that you switch on and the next day you've got it. It's like <laughs> constant repetition. For sure. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's really interesting because I think the first step is really self-awareness. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of can identify certain points in my journey where like these little things along the way really clicked. And the first one is self-awareness because until you're aware that you are not your thoughts and your beliefs, then you're trapped by them. Mm -hmm. So if I have the thought that, let's just say, for instance, I'm not good enough. I, an 18-year-old version of me would have thought that that's me. I'm not good enough. And I would have identified and attached and I would have felt an emotion because I thought that thought and I would have lived in that experience so fully as I've developed. And as you uh, progress on your journey and just become more self-aware, you can have that thought. I mean, I still have those thoughts. We all have those thoughts every now and then, but instead of it holding so much weight and me being affected by it and it directing what actions I take, I can just kind of watch it float by and be like, Oh, I see you. And then mm. I'll go, why did I have that thought? What triggered that thought? And instead of having the emotional reaction to it, then I can dig into myself and use it as a learning experience 
and it takes work. This, this yeah. is not for the faint of heart. Like it, it can get tiring because we're always like self-analyzing and trying to figure it out. But if you want to grow, you have to be able to be self-aware and call yourself out on your own stuff. And a lot of the time, once you actually start asking why, like, oh, why didn't I feel worthy? Let's just say, for instance, oh, because my video only got X amount of views and that was lower than the other one or whatever. And it's like, well, why does that matter to me? Uh, well, actually, I, I guess I didn't feel too good about myself today and I was really relying on that external validation to make me feel better and I didn't get it. And now I feel even worse. And it's like, well, why were you relying on that external validation? Oh, because I actually, you know, when I was growing up, I always needed to be seen and heard by my parents and and I didn't receive that from them. So I'm constantly seeking it in my adulthood because I never received it as a child. And I haven't realized how to give that to myself yet. You know, there's so many layers deep that you can go. And I know it seems like super hippie. And I used to be someone that was like, ugh, like hippie stuff. You know, like I kind of put it in a box of like, mindset's airy-fairy. This is like childhood trauma and patterns and parenting. And I always thought it was very like, not for me because I was very logical minded. But the more I learn about it, you realize that everything's just a pattern. Our brain is pretty damn simple and very complex at the same time. If we experience pain and fear as a child, our mind is just taught to, or our mind is conditioned for us to survive. So we'll do whatever, think whatever, do whatever, be whatever we have to be just to not feel negative emotion. That's it. So for the most of us, we don't ever really um, transcend just feeling okay because we're just trying to not feel negative. Yeah, right. But if you want to access those greater uh, emotions and those greater states of consciousness, then you have to be willing to like call yourself out, to go back in time, to reconnect with things that have happened in the past, learn to perceive them differently, then learn how to take that lesson into the future and really be self-aware so that when, let's say, you're having a fight with your boyfriend and you're triggered about something, you can actually stop yourself in your tracks and not have a big yelling argument and be like, oh, actually, you know what? My dad this, did this to me when I was young and it just brought out that memory. I'm sorry, dude. You know, and that's the first step. But most people can't do that because they're just pissed <laughs> and they're living yeah. in their own emotions. Yeah, we're so reactional. Eh? Like that, that's one of the things. What about in terms of, because uh, I feel like that when you're in that reactional state, you can't get that level of self-awareness. It's like you almost, you've got to go to like a 3D, like helicopter view to yep. watch what's going on. And I feel like mindfulness gives you that or meditation, whatever it is for you that makes you slow down and actually be able to be aware of your thoughts. What, what sort of practices do you do around that? Because you are very self-aware. That's very clear. And that's obviously something that you've built into your life. Um, it, is things like meditation and that helpful for you? Are you someone that meditates, doesn't meditate? Like what do you do to for try sure. and facilitate that on a daily basis? Sure. So I think there are so many different practices and it's like whatever resonates with you is what you should do. I personally really love meditation, A, because my brain doesn't want to do it. I want to get up and I want to start doing things <laughs> and I want to start thinking and using my brain. And whatever I don't want to do, I generally tend to lean into doing because I know I need it then. Yeah, nice. So I really love uh, meditating because it forces you to really stop living in this 3D world, what we see, and remember that everything is energy. Literally everything we see, the, my voice that you hear right now, the laptop that you're looking at, it's all just vibrating particles. And I kind of get so in what I'm doing, you know, like YouTube and work and online business. We all do finances and bills and like all the things that we think about on a day-to-day -day basis that we forget that we're living on a gigantic floating rock <laughs> hurling through space full of just particles. We're all just energy. We are connected to everything. Like just because my skin ends here doesn't mean that the particles and the energy end there at all. Like everything is connected. And uh, going back to meditation just brings me to remember that. And it brings everything in pers into perspective again. And it's really easy. Sometimes I fall off that bandwagon and it's easy to see the difference between when I actually do this and when I don't, because I'm very reactional. 
uh, not very reactional, but I'm somewhat reactional and just kind of living like doing the things that I need to do versus like having that big vision and moving somewhere intentionally and creating the future and the life that I want versus just like doing the things each day. So meditation really helps me with that. The other big thing, and I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this on your podcast, but uh, I've done, you like. <laughs> <laughs> I've done uh, some psychedelics and yeah. I don't recommend them as like a tool that you think you're going to do these things and everything's just going to fall into place and, and be perfect. I think in reality, we can access the states that we get to with psychedelics naturally through meditation and through um, self-awareness, but they are a tool. I, I personally believe totally, they're a tool. Yeah that nature gives us. And if we need help accessing some of the deeper parts of our subconscious, which I think we all do at times, um, then I think they can be a great tool. So I have done some like guided ceremonies, which have been really interesting. Like um, ayahuasca to, and stuff like that or what? Yeah. Yeah. Literally two weeks ago I did uh, ayahuasca, a guided uh, ceremony of that. And that was the first time I had done it. And every single experience I have, it goes a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. And then it's not just about having this like, Oh, this trip where I saw all these colors and things like that. It's actually, for me, it's been an experience where I can kind of have this dialogue with myself and get beyond all the surface level stuff and get real with myself. And the important part of doing a ceremony, and this is also why I don't recommend people just do these things recreationally and do it with intention, is because the next day we have like an integration uh, with the facilitator and she'll help you understand what you experience and then also how do I bring this into life so that these things aren't just like a cool escape from reality but they're actually a lesson that you can bring forward and yeah, use totally. every day in your life. So they've been a big help in kind of calling myself out on my own stuff and remembering things that I didn't necessarily remember and understanding myself. And like I said, it's not for everyone. If meditation's more your thing, if journaling's more your thing, do that. You don't have to go get on drugs to do it. Um, Cause it's certainly like a trendy thing to do nowadays is to, yeah, it's becoming to far more mainstreaming. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, but the research is there to back it up. It's not just, it's not just like a hippie thing. It, it's genuinely becoming mainstream for a reason. Um, I mean, I've got friends that have dealt with some pretty serious trauma, have gone down ayahuasca and stuff like that. And it's just completely opened up a new life for them, you know, and helped them see yeah. things in a different perspective. So I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I had a really interesting um, experience where I'm very, and I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of your listeners will probably be male. Um, and yeah. Probably pretty evenly split, but maybe, maybe okay. smell, yeah. That's cool. Uh, but I have more of a man's brain <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, we all have like this balance of masculine and feminine. I think female entrepreneurs tend to be a little bit more masculine in the way that they think because men typically have that like structured, consistent, uh, very safe, consistent brain. So I was very much on that side and I wasn't really perfectly balanced. And about a year and a half ago, I realized that I was not very open to finding love and all the things. And I was very like self-sufficient and I uh, was very guarded, even though I wouldn't admit that to myself. I used the word independent rather than guarded. Yeah, right. And so I identified that and I was like, oh, how do I get past this? I'll read a book as our logical minds, our masculine minds do. You try and like logic your way out of it. Okay, this is the step I need to take and this is the next step. Then I had an experience where I got invited to do DMT. And it was funny because that's only like a 10 minute experience. And because I went into it just with the intention of like, show me whatever I need to know, I'm just going to be open-minded. The feeling that I came out of that with was like, this is how to be open. And it just like, this will sound very funny to anyone who hasn't experienced it, but I just was love. Like I was so open in that moment. And it showed me instead of me trying to learn and logic my way through it, it was just like, here, you idiot. This is how you do it. <laughs> And so for me, that's kind of like a story that I tell to show that like 
psychedelics and the experience can really be a benchmark. So now whenever I feel like a little bit gutted, I have like a uh, benchmark feeling of how I can just go back to that rather than going to read like a 10 step guide of how to like open your heart or something like that. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That's all. Uh, that's really nicely put actually. Um, what about in terms of setting, because you're, you're someone who strive for a lot, like you obviously are a big thinker and, but you're also very present and in the moment and you, you seem very content, like that you seem happy and content genuinely. Um, and that comes through in your online content, but what, what, how do you strike that balance between like dreaming big and having massive aspirations and, and also being happy in the moment? Because I feel like that's something that you've done really well, but I feel like that's something that we all struggle with quite a lot at the same time. Yeah, it's really hard. And to be honest, it's uh, something that I ebb and flow between. Sometimes I get hyper present and I kind of forget to, to think future forward, yeah. especially this year. Um, and I posted this on my Instagram today and it was about COVID this year. It's really made the future very uncertain for everyone in the world. Like it's become hard to really future plan because there is no certainty, even though there never was certainty. Now it even, it's more apparent, you know, there's, there's definitely a lack of certainty in the world. So I was guilty of it this year of kind of, instead of creating the reality that I wanted or working towards creating the reality that I wanted, I got a little bit like, well, we'll see what happens, you know? And I, I did what I could every day. Of course I didn't like stop working or do, wasn't doing things for no reason definitely had intention in the moment, but I didn't hold that big future vision for a couple of months just because everything was so uncertain. And uh, it was recently that I was just having a talk with um, my partner and we were like, why did we ever let it get to that point? You know, so it, it is an ebb and flow. For the most part, I do have like one, two, five, 10 year goals that I aspire towards. But for me, really the, the goal, because I've been lucky enough to achieve material success, the goal really doesn't revolve around that so much anymore. And it more revolves around how I feel and how I experience earth and what I leave here and the person that I'm being and what I'm experiencing the way that I'm experiencing it. And I think that when you focus on that, then monetary success is the byproduct, you know, it just naturally occurs versus a lot of the time people are really focused on like, I want this amount of decimal points in my bank account. And firstly, the first question to ask yourself is why, you know, money is just a tool on this earth. That's all it is. It's a bargaining chip. So why do you want that? Is it to make yourself feel better about yourself? Is it because you don't feel accomplished till you get there? Is it because you want to show everyone what you have and how good you are? And for some people, it's safety. I know a lot of the time people want safety and freedom. So not all of the reasons are negative, but really if that's your goal and if you're thinking purely monetarily, like society kind of teaches us to do when you've got the house, when you've got the car, then you've made it or the job or the title, whatever it might be. If you're thinking purely that way, really ask yourself why. And then is that why attached to what you actually truly want? Because I think most of the time, if you ask yourself why enough times, you'll get to the point of, I just want to feel happy, loved, connected. I want to love myself. I want to love my life. I want to do fun things. And all the things that we think that we need to achieve that, we can really experience in the present. 100%. So it is, yeah, it is really this delicate balance of like, yeah, I want to be hyper present and I want to enjoy life because I'm not too sure. Um, I think you know this, but I lost my partner at 24 years of age, yeah, yeah. suddenly and unexpectedly. Um, he was diagnosed with cancer and we had no idea that he was even sick. He went to the ER with back pain. So when you experience something like that, of course, it makes you very appreciative of the current moment because you just never know. Like I think I'm healthy and fit and well, but in reality, I could walk out on the street tomorrow and get hit by a bus. I have totally. no idea what's in store for me. And we all have this like, invisible timeline in our heads that we're going to live till we're 80 
and we plan out our life accordingly. And okay, at, at 20, I'll do this. At 30, I'll do this. Maybe when I'm 35, I'll get in a serious relationship. Then maybe I'll have kids. It's like none of that is guaranteed. Totally. All you're guaranteed is right now. So you've got to appreciate that. But then also don't forget to, don't just be a hippie. <laughs> like appreciate the moment so much that you forget that like there is this incredible future that you can create. So it is a delicate balance. And to be honest, I haven't figured out the, the miracle formula. I just do my best every day. I'm human. And, uh, and I try to kind of switch between both. There's times where I'd be hyper-present and then I set intentional times where like, okay, it's goal setting day. Like mm-hmm. what are we going to achieve? And just kind of go between both. What about in the way that you plan your sort of day and life out? Because I feel like, uh, particularly in the entrepreneurial space, um, it's all, it's almost like, I, I feel like a lot of people that end up going in and building businesses and they almost end up losing their life in business because they, mm-hmm. they, it's become this like hustle culture and like work yep. 18 hours a day. And like, you know, a lot of people are just financially driven and they've gone into things for the wrong reasons and they're not genuinely enjoying what they're doing. But I feel like it's so easy when you're building a business because you have to work hard like that. There's no yep. way around that. But I do feel like a lot of the time there's a huge sacrifice and sometimes I'd argue that it's not worth it. Uh, for sure. and, and so you seem like someone who's struck a really nice balance between you've got really good connection and friendships, which is obviously really important to your overall happiness. Um, a lot of hobbies and you, you seem to block time for fitness and doing cool things, enjoying time with your partner, but you also run a successful business. You're obviously very intentional about that. Do you have any advice around that for people that are in the entrepreneurial space? Cause I feel like sure. most of the time that's really one-sided and people might chase the, the success and end up like what you're saying, 10, 15 years down the track and have just missed all the juice and the richness Mm -hmm. of life during that time. So can you talk to that for a moment? For sure. I mean, the simple answer to that question is make your work something that you love. (laughs) So then everything's great. And I mean, naturally I don't want to project a fantasy because not everything's great all the time, but for the most part, we want to work towards majority of our day being something that we can learn to enjoy. Naturally, there are parts of business that I absolutely don't like doing. You know, I, I don't think anyone enjoys doing taxes. I don't think anyone enjoys doing admin work. No one really enjoys those parts, but they're part of it. So first thing, delegate what you can. Uh, you know, do as much as you can in the beginning stages so that you know the entire business. Like I don't advocate delegating too early before you even understand the business fully. Uh, within Infinite Prosperity, our uh, education company previously, we did all of our own emails admin work, support, everything. We built the website. We did absolutely everything ourselves for the first year so that we knew intimately how it worked. And then we're not relying on contractors and outside people to tell us how to do things or tell us how it should be done. Yes, we employed them eventually. And yes, they knew better and had more skills than us. But in the beginning, really do as much as you can yourself. So there is this little bit of uh, time where you kind of have to stick it out, uh, especially if you don't have the, um, the finances yet to really employ people. So during that time, then it's a question of like, how can I milk as much joy out of today as possible? Maybe you're doing the taxes, but listen to music. Enjoy them so much of the time because why not? You know, there's, there's things that we can do to make ourselves more miserable or we can milk as much joy out of every moment as possible. And I try and do the latter as much as possible. Am I happy 100% of the time? No, no one is. But I really try and uh, when I'm down or when I'm not feeling right, I really try and understand it, identify it, get through it as quickly as possible because I, that's not the way I want to live my life. Mm. And people do very much get caught up in this hustle culture where it's just nonstop. They're stressing out. And a lot of the time they're addicted to the chemicals of stress. If anyone's listened to any Joe Dispenza, he talks about how we literally get addicted to the chemicals that we experience so often. He's amazing. 
And if you're someone that finds yourself stressing out a lot, I definitely recommend you check out any of his stuff, but mainly his book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And he talks about how we become addicted to the chemicals of stress or depression or self-loathing, whatever it might be. Our brain's just conditioned to receive those chemicals at a certain time each day. And so if we're not receiving that, we actually try and create that for mm. ourselves again because it's known. And it's pretty messed up. But once you identify that, you, you can kind of catch yourself doing it and like, oh, I'm not stressing out right now. And this feels really weird. Like I have a, a friend who is in a very stressful job who uh, works in political things and there's a lot of pressure on him. Amazing human, but he, because he has worked so long in that industry, he identifies and his self-awareness is high. So he's, he's like, wow, I feel relaxed right now, but I feel like I should be stressing about something because he's literally conditioned to receive that same chemical every day. So yeah. being aware of that and then following the steps that, uh, that Joe lays out far better than I can on a podcast for you to really start changing those things um, is how you're going to change that. But for the most part, if we... Uh, there's another great book I want to mention here, uh, Letting Go. I forget who it's by, but Letting Go. Uh, if you search it, it'll be the first one that comes up. And he talks about most people are not actually willing to let go of that stress or let go of the depression or let go of the anger that they had towards their ex-fiance or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Most of the time we want to hold on to it because there's secretly some weird part of ourselves that likes it. It's easy to be a victim. We like blaming people. We like to feel stressed out. We like to uh, get involved in arguments and it's messed up, but that's how our brains operate. So when you stop searching for stress and the known chemicals, and then when you're also able to let go of all the things that we actually crave, then you can move into like a place of peace. And then from there you can go, well, how can I maximize the joy in this moment? Even if you're doing the taxes or the admin work or there's something that you don't like, how can you reframe that in your mind? Instead of I have to do taxes, it's fuck, I'm grateful because there's someone on the street right now who doesn't yeah. have shelter or food or anything. And I am certainly not a saint. I get caught up sometimes being ungrateful or getting stressed out or frustrated by things that I should be really ultimately grateful for. But I always try to come back to, to gratitude um, as soon as possible. So I think that's that's all you can do. <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. That's really powerful stuff. Um, so just just to finish up, I'm just weary of time here. I know that you've sort of got some stuff that you've got to run away to um, and we've chewed through that and I could literally speak to you all afternoon about these topics. So, um, oh, me too. I could go on and on and on. I love them. Uh, what, what is your definition of success for yourself? Interesting. It's not something that I think I can answer in like one word or a sentence, but freedom is a big part of it having the freedom to choose your beliefs in any moment, to be wherever you want to be in any moment, to leave an impact in whatever way you want to at any moment. I think it ultimately comes down to freedom of all of these things. But if I were to get super meta, I think all we ever want as humans is just love and connection. All the little trinkets and the things that we think we need to receive that, it's all just a facade. All we actually want is to be loved, to feel loved, to love other people and to really truly connect with other humans. So I think, cultivating as much of that in my life as possible, whether it's with like a broader audience or with the people that I have close to me. Um, that's generally when I feel the most amazing is being able to serve people to help other people and get beyond my own selfish desires. Cause I do have them. Like I'm selfish. I want certain things. Um, but whenever I'm able to actually do something for other people is when I feel the best. So I think Incorporating all of those things together is success far more than the definition of success that people probably think of when they look at my old YouTube videos, the house and the Lamborghini and the, like all the things it, you know, in reality, we were also dealing with my partner at the time having cancer. 
So you have to balance these things and realize that just because I had trinkets didn't mean anything about how successful I was at all. I was actually dealing with one of the hottest periods of my life that I've ever been through and him the same, you know, he was incredibly successful, but he was fighting for his life. Mm -hmm. So health it also comes into it. And I never take that for granted anymore because I know how quickly it can be taken away. So I think being grateful for the body that actually allows us to experience this life and taking care of it as much as possible and having the freedom to buy good food, to live in an area where it's clean and healthy and you have the opportunity to love and connect and, and incorporate all of these amazing areas of life, that's success. It's not one thing. It's not a car. It's not a house. It's not a business. It's not uh, just one adjective. It's all these things coming together successfully. And I think uh, that's something that I'm still figuring out. I, I just turned 30 and I'm, uh, I'm learning, but I think it'll be a continually evolving definition of success. The more I learn, I only know what I know at this point. So we'll see, ask me in 10 years and we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Hey, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you. I really appreciate you giving up your time. Um, and just sharing your expertise and your insights with my audience and with myself. Um, like I said, you're someone whose journey I've followed for a while now, and I just really appreciate the authenticity, uh, the way that you put yourself out there, because I think it's a hard thing to do, but you seem to do it so naturally. And like I said and mentioned before, like you just seem content and happy, and I think that's something that we're all striving for. So I really appreciate you giving up your time, sharing your knowledge and, and your expertise, uh, and just some of your insights and learnings from your journey. Um, I know Thank that it will be so well much. received. I appreciate you having me on and it, it's crazy to me that people even look to me for this kind of things because I'm just a regular human, but I appreciate so much that you followed for so long and, and the other people that have as well. And if I can help even one person by listening, then I'm glad I spent the time doing it. So thank you. I appreciate you. Cool. Just before we jump off, I know that you've got some really valuable free resources and bits and pieces, particularly around YouTube. We sort of started talking about it and then there was just so much more meaty stuff that the conversation <laughs> went to. But for people that were sort of hooked on the YouTube stuff that want more, um, I know that you've got a great free course and some resources there. Where's the best place yep. to find you and to dive deeper into some of that stuff? Yep. So two places. Um, I, If you want to connect with me personally and have questions, like maybe you have a channel, you want me to review it, maybe you don't know if it's the right move for you or your business. I absolutely love voice noting. So you can always reach out to me on uh, Instagram with a voice note. My handle is amysangster53, and I'm sure you'll put that in the show notes. Um, if you want to watch, I have a free one-hour training of uh, how you can use YouTube to grow your brand and business. You can find that at unemployedmovement.com. And there's also a free five-day online business course there. So a bunch of free stuff that you can get your hands on. And if you have any questions for me personally, just shoot me a DM and I'll be replying there. Fantastic. Hey, Amy, thank you again so much for your time. I wish you all the best moving forward through this situation with COVID and everything else um, and just all the best you. for your future. I look forward to following. Thank you so much. You too. So there you have it, guys. That was the interview with Amy Sangster. Like I said in the intro, she's an absolute powerhouse. If you want to learn more about Amy, I highly recommend that you go and check out her website, unemployedmovement.com, which is where you can access those free resources and trainings around how to build your business and scale your message on YouTube. Uh, she's put a lot of value out there for free, so I highly recommend that you go and check that out. Uh, if you want to follow her on Instagram, it's at amysangster53. Definitely look up her YouTube content. She's absolutely crushing it on there, producing content weekly that's just of a really, really high caliber. Uh, and there was just so much in that conversation. Obviously, we talked a lot about YouTube and the psychology of success in that online landscape, uh, but also you know, a lot of valuable stuff in there just around the way that Amy approaches things, her attitude, determination, perspective on life, uh, particularly the way that she values her time after losing a partner so young. So heaps of value in there i hope that you enjoyed it um as always if you are enjoying the podcast please share it out with your family and friends or anyone that you think would get value from it 
And if you uh, have a moment, please drop a review and just leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. We're starting to really get some momentum now. We're featuring in the charts. So all those ratings, reviews, shares and extra listens really do go a long way. And they just help us reach new ears and add value to more people. So that's my one ask of you. If you're enjoying the podcast, that you just share it out and leave a rating and a review. Uh, Really appreciate your time and just want to say thanks for tuning in. Like always, hope it added value to you and look forward to connecting with you in the next episode. (music) 